Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons. Jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story from D.C. to Davos. Green is the color of the day. So the news has been splashed from one end of the country to the other about sweeping executive orders that Biden is putting down to save the climate, to save the world. A couple things I have to say about that. The only thing I saw him actually do, the only specific climate initiative that he signed was to stop oil and gas leases from uh, from being issued on public lands. Now, to me, unless you change the demand profile, that isn't going to change how much of the fossil fuels are used because they're commodity substitutes. That's just an industry play. Uh, it's just how much you pay for it. It's whether it's uh, within our borders or without. So I'm not totally convinced that that is what you see is what you get. I also think that to the extent that they really do want to uh, get carbon neutral by 2050, as they say, or as Gina Raimondo, the very suspicious governor of Rhode Island, who's going to be the new Commerce Secretary. She's, I think, a CFR member, Aspen Institute, Rhodes Scholar, all that stuff. She wants to usher in uh, infrastructure, roads, um, bridges, create jobs, all with the idea of a green new world. But to pay for all of this, she's open to middle class tax hikes. And that just drives me crazy because, first of all, all income taxes are regressive. All income taxes apply only to people who have to work for a living, which which you could actually define that as rich people don't work for a living. And so all income taxes are regressive in my mind. I am, I almost feel like they, or I, I do believe that they look for reasons, poverty, climate, whatever, in order to tax the middle class into being politically uh, neutral, politically impotent, because they have to spend all of their time hand to mouth, no matter how hard they work, any surplus gets taxed away. This whole thing seems like a big fat plot. And then just to bring it home, there was a quote in CNN that said, we need a sweeping industrial revolution 2.0 and fast to avoid out of control overheating and uh, destruction by fossil fuels. So for me, they are calling for a new industrial revolution just as Davos and the World Economic Forum has done everything they can, including use the coronavirus to usher in there what they call the fourth industrial revolution. But I think we all know we're talking about the same thing. The Great Reset. What I noticed about Biden's sweeping executive orders that he signed not long ago is that he emphasized that today is climate day. Today's climate day, which I thought was interesting because at Davos, today is also literally climate day, where that is the singular <laughs> focus of their theme that they put in their headlines. So lockstep right there. Another interesting thing I noticed about Biden's climate rollout is that John Kerry, who Biden called his best buddy, 
He is the special presidential envoy for climate. He spoke briefly at the White House press briefing today, saying that the stakes couldn't be higher when it comes to climate change. This is a climate emergency, blah, blah, blah. And then Biden upped climate change to a national security problem. It's a national security problem. The thing about John Kerry that I thought was interesting was that John Kerry also spoke at Davos today, just a few minutes ago, where he called for a warlike effort to tackle climate change. So, again... For the second day in a row, it appears that Biden is in lockstep with Davos and the Great Reset. Because Davos is virtual. Yeah. So, so it could be at both. It could be in two places yeah. at one time, which exactly. is great. I think this is totally leading us up to this whole deep fake thing. We're going to have the leaders who aren't even themselves. They have doubles. Winston Churchill had a voice double. Why not a deep yeah. fake double? And I do, just for the record, I do believe normally these politicians will call everybody their buddy. I, I do believe that Biden and Kerry are besties because of their long history of crime together. Right. Yeah. And their son's history of crime, potential crime together as well, which nobody's allowed to really speak of. Bunter Hyden. All right. So what they called for today, I heard it described this way by Biden and by the media that's covering it, is to make climate central to the decisions that are made. So everything is based on how climate change is affected by it. So that's the central point of decision making when it comes to policies and and everything that they're doing. And we're seeing this in the corporations. Like I talked about IKEA yesterday and that climate change commercial, which ironically, maybe not ironically, the IKEA person spoke at Davos today (laughs) as well. Oh, that's so perfect. At Davos, though, also the central theme is how to build an infrastructure for organizations, for corporations around the world, where every decision they make will be built around climate change. So the exact same thing again, building infrastructure for business and government where the decisions are based purely on, well, number one, above all else, climate change. That's what they say. Obviously, that's what they say. But these this new infrastructure is all about control and surveillance. This idea of driverless cars on an electric grid, the idea of sustainable cities, of getting people out of the country and into these smart cities. There, It's really all about being able to surveil people constantly with no niches, control all their transportation and make sure they cannot grow their own food. And that's what it's about. And they, they say it's about the climate, but it... it it has nothing to do with an a a good faith response to a problem that emerged from a random industrialization and yeah. deindustrialization is part of the plan yeah absolutely i want to tell you a uh, quick about what day 2 was today is day 3 day 2 what they covered which they had greta thunberg give a, a screaming speech it's kind of similar to last year not as effective because it was virtual but what they were focusing on yesterday was the measurements and metrics for how they can measure how companies efforts to serve their stakeholders which are the communities around them and the world basically 
how they can show that they are doing the right thing, that they are doing good. And that's how they talked about it, that they're doing the right thing, that they're doing good, which means social justice initiatives, which means climate change initiatives. And the way that they were talking about that was they were talking about it tra- and tracking and monitoring. So they discuss how they're going to be able to track and monitor what companies are doing. So if they claim they're doing a good initiative, we're doing this climate change things, how are they going to track that? And they want to build a database that shows companies' carbon footprint, what it is, how they're doing initiatives to lower it. And they want to create a system of surveillance that has ratings and is able to monitor companies worldwide. So one system to monitor companies worldwide on their efforts to lower their carbon footprint and, and put climate initiatives and social initiatives into play. And my guess is those companies will get a green check mark. And if you don't have one, it'll be just like when your website has that little like broken lock security risk. Go back, go back. They'll just you'll be shamed for going into a mom and pop shop that doesn't have the green check mark. What's up, guys? With such uncertainty in the world right now, the best way to have true security is by growing your own food. And Neighbors Feed and Seed in Smyrna, Georgia, they got you covered. They offer garden supplies, vegetable plants, chicken feed, bird feed, farm supply, everything your garden or farm needs. They even host a farmer's market on Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. And right now, for Propaganda Report listeners only, they're offering 10% off of all online purchases at NeighborsFeedandSeed.com. Just type in coupon code PROP, P-R-O-P, all caps, upon checkout. And if you have any questions, give them a call at 678 678- Six five three eight eight three eight. Okay, I want to tell you something I think you're going to find interesting. The main takeaway from yesterday's Davos, day two. First, we have the global risk report. I'll tell you about that in a second. But the main takeaway was that COVID-19 has shown us that behavior can change in surprising ways when there is a crisis. And that who would imagined that everybody in New York would be wearing a mask a couple of year, years ago? Like that would be unimaginable, would be impossible to think that, but they made it happen. So they now know that the behavior of an entire population can change quickly. And that's important in regards to climate change because it's going to be critical to work out how you can get the population to quickly change its behavior fast enough in order to save the planet. So now we're starting to see maybe what some of these other agendas were come out. The first thing I thought when you said you can get people to change their behavior quickly. And I said, well, I I thought to myself, yes, if you scare them enough. And that's exactly what they've done. And it's interesting to see them so openly talking about that. Yes, people change their behaviors quicker than we ever imagined they could. Now let's implement the same thing for climate change. Global risk report. Here's the three things. They're afraid of social fragmentation dangers coming up in the next couple of years because of the health crisis, because of the job crisis, and because of youth dis- disillusionment. And this is around the world. What's a social fr- a social fragmentation? So a society societal fragmentation. Yeah. But that okay. I'm not sure. I really know what that means. But all right. I think it probably kind of means the the least. What it seemed like to me is what's going on in America right now between the left and okay. the right. The second thing in the global risk report, in the next three to five years, they express concern about the economic consequences of the pandemic, uncontrolled inflation, rising debt, concentration of industries into the the hands of the the big ones because all the small companies have been (laughs) squashed out. They're worried about that, are they? Right. Yeah. And then, well, at least what they expect to see in the next five, three to five years. Now, in the next five to 10 years, they said that they expect to start to see the climate change consequences. And 
they expressed concern about the potential collapse of an important state. That's what, what they said. The collapse of an important state and the rise of the use of weapons of mass destruction. Societal collapse, rise in weapons of mass destruction. That was their diagnosis hmm. at Davos. I'll have to read more about that. I'm, I'm curious to know if... Because <clears throat> that sounds like they're scenarios. Yeah, it does. I wonder if they have like kind of sub-scenarios under there to see what we can alternatives of what they expect. Certainly, they are plotting. Yeah, it's interesting. The timeline of it's interesting because we often think these consequences are going to be kind of in the immediate and they think big picture. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. And they plan on it. They plan for it and they plan it. So speaking of fragmentation or a collapse of a of a state, certainly we're in the decline. I think that is definitely on the boards. There are... I've been noticing like this Marjorie Taylor Greene. She is definitely in the crosshairs. She's a person. She's the congresswoman from Georgia who is supposedly the Q follower. Said some stupid things on Facebook that just stupid. I don't mean like ill advised. I mean, just stupid stuff about yeah, killing people, whatever. And well, did she say it or did she just like other people's posts? Oh, well, I did not. Usually I do click through and see what it says, but I thought it said that she said something that a bullet to the head would be faster. She liked somebody's post that said that. Oh, okay. Well, that just my reading of it or it was written wrong. One or the other. Uh, See the impression it gave me. So, but whatever it is, she's the person who they're going, they're using as a model. And they said she shouldn't, we don't want to disenfranchise those crackers in Georgia by kicking her out of Congress. We couldn't really do that. And they do deserve their say, even though they're lower than human beings. But what the GOP should do is keep her from any committees or any, and, and we know from way back that the committees are where all the power is. So you can have them there as this representative of your constituency, but she's not going to have any power whatsoever. And this is just the, uh, a, a mod- modeling the cancel culture without having to interfere with the, the laws that govern the democracy. So yeah. that's one thing. And then it the also gives hand, a face to the enemy. So you got to have at least one or two kind of hanging around on the social media like Lynn Wood was. Yeah. And you, they're kind of shifting them right now. But she is right now the face of the enemy. Yeah, absolutely. And keep her around so that that it seems like it's a continuing problem, that it's not gone with Trump, that yeah. now you have this like renegade subculture. So that brings me to another article I saw, which I know you saw too, about Enrique Tario, who's the leader of the Proud Boys since 2018. 2018 is when Gavin McGinnis kind of stepped away from Proud Boys, which he started. Gavin McGinnis, I read you a quote a week or two ago, as well as a year or two ago, where he said that he was going to punk the media by being super extreme. Extreme, and he said he would be super extreme on the left, but it, it looks like he was super extreme on the right. But his whole thing was, I'm I'm a prankster, and and I'm gonna make your head spin. He literally said, I'm gonna make your their head spin with the crazy stuff I'm gonna say. So this is the guy who established the Proud Boys, which I've always I, I get some flack for always saying, hey, this. This is a setup. Enrique Tario was apparently when he was arrested in 2012 as a fraudster, he started massive. They they said um, it was he did a lot. He was a prolific cooperator with local and federal law enforcement to set up stings on a lot of different 
uh, other criminal organizations, including offering one criminal organization $11,000 to, to smuggle his fictitious family in from another country. So this was all in a he he was in some court proceeding and it was all well documented that he was just a cooperator and infiltrator and operative for years now. He's only 36 years old. This started at least in 2014. And he, A, denies it. He just says he can't remember it at all. He, he can't remember it. it? He can't remember it. That's what he says. And then this is just so typical of the, I mean, I can't say the R word because of my own family. You know, I have a son with Down syndrome, but like I've never been more tempted, like how the media just refuses to see what is completely obvious before their eyes. Here is a quote, and I believe it. I mean, I absolutely believe that that this um uh, I absolutely believe that this woman actually thinks this, but the prosecutor said, the original prosecutor said, I knew he was a fraudster, but had no reason to know he was also a domestic terrorist. <laughs> and I would just like to say, he's not a domestic terrorist. He's a fraudster. That's why he's playing this role on behalf of the pathocracy that clearly uses government money and initiative to enhance dysfunctional subcultures. That's what they do. It's in their handbooks. And that, it seems very clear to me that that is what this guy is. So they outed him as an agent, but they didn't out him as as an agent provocateur in there rallying this up on purpose. Right. That he then became a domestic terrorist. Yeah. That's 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 very interesting because unbelievable. It, yeah, it's well, some so, kind of journalism there, and some kind of prosecutor can't figure out that this guy. I guess a black is, guy, right? Isn't he? He's well. He has a Hispanic name, and he looks Hispanic. Enrique Tario, but he said a lot of provocative things in December. He said. Uh, to Congress, you want a war? You got one. Then he burned a BLM flag. Oh, wow. I mean, it's just this is the guy. That's interesting. There's a, there was another story today about the far right spheres of what they're labeling glowies. They say they've become obsessed with federal agents who might lurk among them and their online forums and such. Ever since getting to know the people and products at True Hemp Science, I have made CBD products a highly rewarding part of my life. From muscle rub to body lotion to CBD oil and my absolute favorite, gluten-free brownies, I have incorporated CBD products into my own approach to personal well-being. To find out more about CBD products in general and True Hemp Science products in particular, including their latest offering of gummies, check out their website and request a free personal consultation at truehempscience.com slash report which i believe they're actually called online covert employees i think that is the official name for glowies but glowies are everywhere there are federal agents in these online forums they are infiltrating these groups as proven by your story just now so they're justified in worrying about that i I think they start the groups Right. I think they are. They are the groups. I think it's hard to find the groups. And I think it's really outrageous that these pathocracies, that this our government, which we pay in order to keep order, 
is actually working actively to create disorder. It's sick. It's treason. It's they're yeah. working for the World Economic Forum, guys. They laid out their plan, and this is how it's being implemented. Yeah, it's interesting when you read those court indictments, whenever there's one of these, the FBI stopped a terrorist attack, a homegrown terrorist attack, and you read the FBI, the indictment in court, you're like, this is like six undercover agents and one dumb person. Every time. And that's what it was with that governor. And that's what it was for the Arabs, too, for the Muslim terrorists. Yeah. The New York Times reported it and Judge Knapp on Fox reported it, that 95 percent of the FBI uh, arrests for that uh, radical Islamic terrorism was for um, were stings, stings. And they make you know, the f- Sting is not an operation where you have an informant. They call them informant. They're not informants. They're operatives. They create the circumstances yep. for the crime. And sometimes the crime actually happens. Like World Trade Center 93 was an FBI sting and six people died. I read one court indictment where you discover that the agent not only suggested the idea of an explosive, but got the explosive from Langley and delivered it himself to the person once the person got it they then turned around and arrested them that is Look unbelievable the story of i was it ricardo hester a, a guy hester where they literally gave him 20 bucks to go into the home depot to buy like a roll of duct tape and then they put him in jail for 19 years and this was a guy who was like staying at home with his kid because he couldn't find a job and his girlfriend was working and he was just so desperate for money and yeah. i mean it's it's an unreal story and and this is the thing these i, I even to call them stings is is too generous because they're false flags more than anything else they're entrapment they're borderline entrapment the entrapment is how it affects the person who they're entrapping but it's not a sting like they're they're looking for something that's happening and they're using nefarious means in order to root it out they're creating the impression that these crimes are happening and that they're there to fight them but in but it's not it they're creating the crimes in order to create tension in the country and then they get the glory it's like a jobs program but and worse yeah and it gets written down as the fbi thwarted a terrorist attack yeah the department of homeland security issued a national terrorism bulletin today warning of potential for lingering violence from people motivated by the anti-government sentiment after biden's election suggesting that the capital six quote riots and may embolden extremists and set the stage for additional attacks they didn't cite a specific threat they just said that there's a heightened threat environment across the country and on top of that trump's youtube channel is going to remain suspended due to the threat of ongoing violence Oh, yeah. And the U.N. U.N. chief urged for a global alliance to counter the rise of neo-Nazis worldwide, neo-Nazis and white supremacists worldwide. I actually think that a lot of this white supremacy stuff, because there's this Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act, it talks about white supremacists as the target. It talks about fearing white supremacists infiltrating government um, bureaus, government agents, soldiers, people in uniform, law law enforcement. And that makes me think that it's really about gun grabs, about red flag laws, about... um, 
taking away Second Amendment rights from the people who would exercise them, the people who know how to use them. They're going to call white supremacists, even though a lot of people in uniform are people of color. Yeah. They, they will get sweats like Enrico Tario. Enrique Tario. He's the proud boy guy. That's supposed to be a white supremacist thing. He's not white, but that doesn't mean that he's not going to get swept up. And that's actually what Tulsi Gabbard was saying. One of the things she was saying about that domestic terrorism thing, that it's that they are trying to sweep up uh, all, everybody, including libertarians, but it will not stop. It really isn't. It isn't targeting white supremacists. It's targeting it's targeting people's- their opposition, their enemies, whoever they want. It's yeah. crazy because racist. Nobody wants to be around a racist, and people who are racist don't typically hide it. They're typically pretty open about it. It's not somebody that you call a racist and they are like go, "No, I'm not." They usually own it the real racists do but now we're in this circumstance where you get to just call somebody a bigot or a racist or a white supremacist and it sticks regardless of what the actual truth of it is yeah it's it, it it's a uh, um been happening like that for a long time i want to switch gears a little bit there were a couple of stories well one thing actually that is it that is kind of on that theme so Diane Feinstein, I guess we can call her a racist white supremacist. Did you hear that an elementary school named for her is going to change its name? No. Why? Because of allegations. So this isn't even proven, but allegations that she replaced a damaged Confederate flag outside of City Hall when she was mayor of San Francisco in 1986. Just think about how obscure that is. There, there are allegations that she had Harvey Milk killed. So yeah. that if allegations are enough, then that allegation should have done it. And that's well, an LGBT thing. I know. Totally. But anyway, so I just thought that was funny. But one thing that is very, very not funny is this, uh, that Las Vegas is trying very hard to get the kids back in school, even though cases are surging of COVID supposedly because of a spike in suicides. That's what they're saying. So I noticed that immediately. My first read of that topic was of this story was that they're going to start now that Trump's out of office, the election is won, they can start talking about the devastating effects of the COVID policy. So they were suppressing, I actually read it in, I think, Journalist Resources, resource saying, don't talk about suicide right now. So I knew that that's, that story would emerge. But then as I read the story further, I noticed that it, it said last year between March and December, there were 18 suicides in the district compared to nine supposedly, reportedly compared to nine the year before or double that was double the year before so they're not even standing behind the stats but what what they said but the upshot of the article was that they were beginning to rely heavily on go go guardian technology that's we talked about this before that scans students writing and search activity on school issued ipads and then notifies officials of any ongoing mental health episodes suicidal thoughts during a stretch from june to october the program generated more than 3,000 alerts to the Clark County Administrator. So it took me a couple of reads to realize that they were obviously using it during the time that suicides doubled 
Are they suggesting that this is a response to the doubling of suicide or that it would have quadrupled instead? Or I don't know what. But they they issued 3000 alerts during that time. They said 68 schools have participated in face to face counseling programs, which resulted in 30 interventions. So face to face, 30 interventions. That sounds okay. 3000 alerts for a total of 300,000 students seems like a lot. And uh, and to I don't know how you want to assess that, but the vast, vast, vast majority of those are not going to be valid. And the idea is this is constant surveillance all the time. They're using suicide as the explanation for it. The suicide is a result of the COVID policy. It just drives me absolutely crazy that the government policies that create these problems lead to more government policies and always blame our rights, our privacy as as the most expendable luxury in the face of the crisis they just created. Yeah, they're pretty eager to blame the rights as being what stands in the way and and, uh, find ways to get around them. So COVID vaccines, you can now in New York and in uh, two other states, in Indiana and Massachusetts as well, you can get your COVID-19 vaccine at your local CVS pharmacy. Go in, get that shot in your arm and, and, and maybe pass out on the way out. Yeah, like do they monitor you for anaphylactic shock? That's a great question, because I recall reading the the Pfizer recommendations and the CDC recommendations that always make sure you have a staff in place where you're giving the vaccine that can revive somebody if they happen to their heart stops after taking it. So I wonder if there's going to be fully staffed CVSs and Publix grocery stores as well. Yeah, I mean, they would have to have a waiting room to get it and then a waiting room after you got it. Yeah. Boy, that is a little crazy. So did you, I saw this headline, I thought of you. Black and Latino Americans are receiving the COVID-19 vaccine at significantly lower rates than white people. A disparity that health advocates blame on, what do you think they blame it on? Racism. (laughs) Inequality. The U.S. federal government and hospitals have failed to prioritize equitable access. Uh, Of course. Do you think, Binkley, that... That the that the any any officials are not prioritizing, quote, equitable access. It doesn't seem like it, at least the way they're talking about it and the way they're trying to get black people to take it. I just think that black people are probably more vaccine I, resistant than I, a lot of white people. I tweeted that and I the overwhelming response was. I live in that community or these communities and we just don't want it because of these reasons, the Tuskegee and all that kind of stuff. But it goes right to that Rockfin video that, boy, we dropped. You played me those clips. I think the day they dropped, I think it was the CFR paying the center for countering digital hate to take their racism, anti-racism programs and apply it to anti-vax because they recognize that minority communities are uh, unusually or more vaccine hesitant than White communities, they actually target it. So it's the opposite of what the story says, that they are not being prioritized. They are not only being prioritized. It is an it is a multi, I believe, several hundred million dollar. Of course. Worldwide program to target 
communities of color with pro-vax initiatives and propaganda. Yeah, it's a massive messaging campaign. We saw Dr. Fauci come out and tout the African-American woman that helped develop the vaccine who was on his team personally. It was a real condescending message. We saw Hank Aaron. It was a publicity stunt to bring Hank Aaron to the hospital or wherever it was at a Morehouse to get the vaccine. That's where he got it. And to show it's safe, it's fine to influence the African-American community. Two weeks later, he died. I'm not saying there's a link there, but what I'm saying is when you say, here, look, Hank Aaron got the vaccine, it's safe for you to get the vaccine, and then two weeks later, he dies, you should expect a little bit of vaccine skepticism. Maybe you shouldn't do that if you don't want that outcome to happen. Well, there are reasons to be skeptical because we now have yet another confession that that our authorities aren't 100% truthful with us about COVID facts, but it's for our own good. I'll tell you about that in the patron 15. I will tell you, if you want to move to Texas, you might want to avoid this county, which I think is in the crosshairs for gun control, quite literally. And Bill Gates does not understand why people are mean to him. I'll tell you about that. And I have a few announcements to make. Interesting. I can't wait to hear what why Bill Gates is surprised about that. I'll tell you China's new way of testing for coronavirus in the patron 15, as well as some changes in Super Bowl advertising that you're going to see this year. You guys can find your dry. Oh, go ahead. I have a couple of announcements. So this weekend, we're going to have Garland live stream. We're going to do it at four o'clock Eastern on Sunday. And we're going to do a patron saint Zoom party. That's a very small, intimate group. We're just going to have a Zoom party for patrons. Saints, all patron saints, put it on your calendar. January 31st, that's Sunday. We're going to do that at 2 o'clock Eastern, 11 o'clock Pacific. So that'll be fun. And uh, here's something that's going to be super, super fun. On Saturday, February 20th, at noon Pacific, 3 Eastern, we are going to do a live stream with our friend Adam from Deborah Gets Red Pilled. He's going to tell us about his experience dabbling in agorism, having swap meets and markets and gray markets and all the stuff that you can do or that he's doing to just try to make liberty real. And I want to invite anybody who wants to participate in that live stream, share your experience. I feel like it can be an idea swap meet and we can just how you, what's the first step? Like, how do you, you know, I'm, we're going to start germinating seeds before then. So I'll tell you about my experience. The city girl trying to make like little leaves come out of a seed. I don't even understand how that works, but anyway, that's February 20th. And it's, we're going to be live streaming that. That's going to be fun. Awesome. Yeah, that'll be fun. You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every week afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want to get access to that content that we post every time we post a DMB, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and become a patron. You can also find our deep dive video podcast on rockfin.com. We will talk to you all in the patron 15 or tomorrow. Have a fantastic rest of your day.